Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. With over 1 billion, with a B, in claims paid, Trupanion has you covered. Whether you're a dedicated breeder, a loving owner, or both. Trupanion is also the first pet insurance provider to offer a special breeding rider that you can add to your coverage. That way, you know your dogs are covered from common health concerns associated with breeding and whelping. Like emergency C-sections, for example. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And today we are going to talk about traveling with dogs. This is actually a listener request. So shout out to our listeners who are always giving us things to talk about. So today we've got some pro tips life hacks, and some tools for success. And I think the important thing that I think about, it's September, October, forget football, forget pumpkin spice. It's actually national specialty season. Yeah. And we've talked a number of times over the last few years about the reasons to travel to national specialties and the joys of traveling generally. So now let's talk about the practical requirements of traveling with dogs, particularly by car with your passel of pups along for the ride. In a previous episode, number 113 to be exact, we talked about vehicle maintenance. We talked about how much water to have, leashes for every dog, shade tarps, safe ingress, egress in an emergency, all that kind of stuff. So today I figured we can cover a few of the more sort of esoteric pro tips that are tucked away in the dark corners of my brain. Proficient packing, time-saving traveling, logistics and lodging, and most importantly, how to maintain one's sense of humor while you're at it. (laughs) Okay? All right. So number one, packing tips from a pro. Fitting a thousand cubic yards of stuff into 500 cubic yards of space is pretty much a specialty of longtime dog people. You literally never know what you're going to need. And so you bring everything except the kitchen sink. And if you travel in an RV, you have that too. Thank heavens. Our avatar for this trip that we're talking about today is going to be the lone human. And if you're really lucky, you get a plus one. And three big dogs driving the family minivan all the way across country in a long-planned adventure to the national specialty events. All right, you ready? Here we go. I have found that Very Kennels, or your preferred hard crate, whether it's Impact or East Coast or Rough Tough or whatever it is, for the vehicle plus the appropriate number of folding wire crates for the grooming area is the best way to go. That's what I found. 
The average minivan, like a Chrysler Town and Country or a Dodge Caravan, a Toyota Sienna, whatever, can easily contain one 500 and two 400 Vary kennels, three folded wire crates of roughly that same size, two 42-inch X-pens, a grooming table and arm, a tack box, a grooming box, a dog food tub, a towel and bedding tub, water jugs, oh, and your clothes too. Don't forget those. Okay, this is proven fact. I've done it. The ideal vehicle packing configurations for most of these minivan setups puts two 400 crates facing out the back hatch and one 500 facing out the passenger side sliding door in the back, okay? Your two X-pens will fit between the two 400s for easy access when you stop to X-dogs or stop for the night, what have you. Your three folded down wire crates stack up flat, go behind the driver's seat with the grooming table on top, legs down, and thus the flat surface up on which you can stack your boxes and your tubs. And everything else in there is your personal version of Dog Show Jinga. Just be really conscious of airflow to the crates as you pack around them particularly if the weather is still warm or it's humid on your trip, whatever. Be sure each crate has a flat-backed water bucket to clip on the inside of the crate. I like the buckets that have the ends enclosed, right? So there's nothing to poke the dog with. In the don't poke the dog category, random, our best friends can, and I emphasize can, be bungee cords but I've seen way too many injuries over the years to take their use sort of lightly. Always put the pokey part of the metal end of your bungee cord outside the crate so the dog can't get caught on it. Never, ever, ever put yourself in a position that a bungee cord can snap back at you. It will put your eye out. It's not pretty, okay? Be aware of Collars on dogs in crates, always be aware of those kinds of things. I know when we're traveling, a lot of us like to put collars on the dogs in emergencies. I understand that. I personally use kennel leads, slip leads, so I don't have to put collars on them. A, it breaks their neck coat, and B, I don't like them to have a chance to get caught on anything. So that's just me. But be aware of it no matter what, okay? With all of that said, securing that load inside your vehicle is really important. Sudden stops, you know, God forbid an accident, that poorly secured item is going to be flying through the air like a projectile missile. So use tie-down points on the floor or on the side of the van whenever possible. If you have to stack anything high, be sure that what's on top is lightweight like a garment bag or a grass mat if you want to bring something like that. The heaviest part of your load should always be at the lowest point of the vehicle and centered as much as possible. That just helps your weight distribution and balance, all that sort of thing, makes it better. If your vehicle does not have rear air conditioning or some kind of ventilation system, Be sure to buy great fans and dozens and dozens of batteries. 
which is P.S., I might add, a reason to include those as well as opening back wing windows or something like that when you decide it's time to upgrade your dog vehicle. Speaking of which, okay, favorite dog vehicles are a little bit of a rabbit hole. We can run down here for a second. I have personally driven everything (laughs) from a Honda Civic wagon to a 40-foot diesel pusher to dog shows and everything in between, for real, including a pickup with a topper, minivan, full-size cargo van, Mercedes Sprinter van, Class C cab over RV, 35-foot Class A RV, and what was fondly referred to as the pregnant Cadillac, which was a 1973 GMC motorhome with front-wheel drive built on a Toronado chassis. Yeah, buddy. They were sort of a cult collector's item for a while, and they look literally for all the world like the Scooby-Mobile. Legit. And each and every one of these vehicles had its pluses and minuses. You do you, right? But some recommendations from me on dog vehicle. By recent model, low mileage, used vehicle of whatever you want, whenever you can. Trade that new car smell for the ten or $15,000 that it costs you. And put that money into upgrades that are specific to what we dog people need, like a roof vent fan. You can install that in pretty much any vehicle when you are car shopping. Take a measuring tape. Measure your crates and then measure the cargo space. Front to back, side to side, floor to roof. And don't forget the width between the wheel wells and the height, like at the lift gate door opening or where you slide the crates in on the sides. Have to look at those because they're often different than what's inside the vehicle. And you still have to be able to get the crate through the door of the vehicle and preferably not set it up inside. So just a thing to think about. So as much and as long (laughs) as I fought the curse of the minivan, I have to tell you, the all-wheel drive Toyota Sienna I have right now may be my favorite rig of all time. Truth. Got plenty of space to pack, as I described it up above. Gets right around 25 miles a gallon consistently. It's got comfortable seats for the long haul, which is huge. It's low maintenance, easy to maintain. It's all weather. It's most terrain. You know, don't take it mudding, whatever. It's got plenty of power to get over the mountain passes, even when I've got it loaded down to the gills. So there you go, for what it's worth. Okay, tips to save you time, money, and good health, an important component. When you have a 5,000-mile round trip and a limited amount of vacation, every minute on and off the road needs to be utilized efficiently. Routine vehicle maintenance, like timely oil changes, regular tire rotations, front end alignments, all that kind of thing is going to help avoid emergencies, which are an absolute time suck, as well as being dangerous. Drive within the reasonable speed limits. Okay, yes, a little bit above is in many instances okay, and maybe it's not, but you know, 
be aware of that. Speeding tickets also cost time. Use basic traffic safety measures. So this includes things like defensive driving. If any of you have not ever had a defensive driving course, may I recommend it? Basically, you are going to drive as if everyone on the road is trying to kill you. (laughs) And if you do that, it will, as much as possible, reduce the risk of traffic accidents. By the way, it helps to have a really vigilant guardian angel. I'm pretty sure that mine drinks, so I'm just saying. (laughs) With all of that said, where we can most feasibly keep our time off the road to a minimum is by coordinating the people potty, dog potty, food consumption, and fuel addition all at the same stop whenever you possibly can. Coincidentally, four hours of driving is roughly 300 miles at 75 miles an hour, which is a pretty normal speed limit on the interstate. That's simple coincidence, I don't know. It's about how much fuel most tanks hold. Many hold more gallons or less gallons or what have you, but based on fuel mileage to the number of gallons of gas your vehicle can contain, 300 miles is about what you're going to get out of most vehicles. So there you go. It's a good time to stop. Four hours, walk the dogs, walk yourself, grab a bite, get fuel, all that. And remember that Fuel costs can vary pretty dramatically just crossing into a different state. And this is something people don't always think about if they don't travel out of state often. I can tell you the cheapest gas prices myself on Interstate 80, anywhere between Oregon and anywhere, pretty much anytime. For example, P.S., always fill your tank in Oregon before driving either to California or Washington, for example. Uh, Laramie, Wyoming has lowest prices for fuel in the entire state of Wyoming. If you're driving through Nebraska, do not, under any circumstances, gas up at those stations near the Cabela's in Sydney, Nebraska. Now, the Cabela's has great dog runs, like fenced-in kennel runs and great grass. They've even got an RV campground. Just don't put fuel in your vehicle there. Fred Meyer, Safeway, anything like that, some of the truck stops, all of them often have fuel discounts. They'll have, here's your loyalty card, here's your Safeway card, here's your Fred Meyer card, here's your pilot card, whatever it is. And sometimes you get a fuel discount. Now, use that, right? You can save maybe 10 cents a gallon. I have saved up to 50 cents a gallon on some of my Safeway and Fred Meyer stops. And If you do that across the course of a trip that's going to consume well over 200 gallons of gas, that can add up and, you know, save a little money, buy your dog's new chew bones for your trip. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, guys. Are you planning your next litter of puppies now that you've finished your owner-breeder handle, bitch? If so, the Embark for Breeders DNA Kit can give you the genetic health test results you need to make the right decisions for your breeding program. As the highest rated and most accurate dog DNA kit on the market, thousands of breeders have trusted Embark, including me, to enhance their breeding program through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, 
understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. Breeder tools include an easy-to-share OFA submission report, as well as understanding the potential coefficient of inbreeding in your projected litter. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to enjoy $20 off each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK. Their world-class scientists and veterinary geneticists are standing by. I do like breaking my day into two parts. Okay, I've done three four-hour chunks, but particularly in my dotage here, I have found that two chunks of four hours at a time is pretty good. Sort of like an eight-hour work day. Fill up the car tank and your tummy, empty the dogs, stretch their legs. That should all take about 30, 45 minutes. If you have to push for more mileage in a day for whatever reason, plan your endpoints ahead. I use MapQuest. I know it's old-fashioned and kind of out of vogue, but it is a great way to plan your trip and say, okay, I need to get to X as my endpoint, and in between I'm going to stop at U and V. And so know what those are and build in your breaks in terms of when you're going to stop into those traveling distances. A little bit of an old broken driver <laughs> pro tip. If you have a bad back, this is per my chiropractor, so I feel pretty comfortable with it. Stop more frequently. Stop for shorter amounts of time, but walk around and stop every couple hours instead of every four hours. Just don't stop for as long. Okay, so there you go. That's a pro tip if you have to balance saving time versus the ability to walk when you get there. <laughs> if you have two people to drive and you can safely switch off for a longer duration between your overnight stays, lucky ducky. If not, safety parameters and safety considerations drop drastically for most drivers after about 12 hours behind the wheel, at which point I strongly recommend taking a break and sleeping. There's a reason it's actually mandated for long-haul truckers. Eating healthy food on a huge trip can be another sort of seemingly overwhelming challenge. So what I have done successfully is you can add just a small soft-sided cooler to your packing. Hopefully you have, you know, that square foot of space to put it in. And then you have the option to bring carrots or grapes or nuts or cheese and crackers or hummus or, you know, whatever it is that is your snack choice. If you have a little bit of a cooler bag, you can keep some ice from the hotel or when you stop for gas or what have you. It really does help. And this enables you to eat a power breakfast. Now, I personally hugely recommend protein. I love donuts, but you know what I'm saying, right? All right. So have your power breakfast before you drive, and then you have your snacks that you've packed that'll help keep you awake and let you have a little lunch snacking through the day. And then you can have a decent sort of sit-down actual meal once you get the dogs taken care of at the end of the day. That's a pretty healthy way to do it. This does 
cut out one of the things you have to do in the middle of the day when you stop. You don't have to run into, you know, McDonald's or whatever. A, you're going to be healthier. B, you're going to be richer. And C, it gives you more time to exercise your dogs. So there you go. All right. Logistics and lodging. This can be a lot. Whether you're concerned about sanitation, here we are in a pandemic. If you're concerned about personal safety or the cost of the room, whatever it is, lodging takes up a lot of our brain cells when we travel. And if you're super, super lucky, you have a huge network of friends or relatives or casual dog acquaintances that would be happy to put you and your pack of puppies up for the night. Yeah, most of us aren't that lucky. So that means managing travel times to end at a place with a decent hotel, pet-friendly accommodations, COVID protocols. These vary from state to state. How much does that room cost? All of it. You know, once upon a time, I put anywhere from fifty to 60,000 miles a year on my vehicles. I've stayed in every type of hotel, motel, no-tell, campground, briar patch, rest area, you name it. In nearly every instance, I was a single woman traveling alone. Now, granted, I had a lot of big dogs, but they don't go in, you know, like the lobby when you check in or the restroom at the rest area like that. And in all of those 25 years, I rarely encountered any kind of difficulty that caused me to fear for my safety. The one time that has stayed with me, I didn't plan as well as I should have. So this is my cautionary tale to you people. I did not plan where I was going to stop for the night. And I wound up at a sort of sketchy hotel somewhere in the boontillies of Nowheresville. And I checked in and ran for the bathroom. Definitely had to use a little girl's room. Threw my key down as I came in the room. And apparently I didn't get that front door shut. Because just as I'm coming out of the bathroom... The rando creepy dude from behind me at checkout pushes the door open and just walked right on in my room. <laughs> now, I happened to be relatively cranky at this point, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that some sailor somewhere blushed three states away as I read this jackass the riot act and he scurried back out the door. I called the front desk. I went and got one of my very large and equally cranky wire hairs out of the vehicle to be my bed buddy, and I put the chain lock on. But again, that's one time in 25 years, and quite literally, I added it up over a million miles driven. So keeping all of this in mind, we all have our favorite hotel chains. In the last year, with all this pandemic-y stuff, I've become very fond of these sort of campground setups that offer camping cabin type rooms, basically self-contained little rooms, preferably with their own restroom. They don't cost any more than a decent hotel, don't encounter as many people, they're normally pet friendly, and these places often have big dog runs and play areas and like that. Aside from that, I'm always a fan of Best Western and La Quinta. It's a few bucks more than any of those hotels that have a number in their name. <laughs> but the surroundings for the Best Westerns and the La Quinta rooms are generally safe and not questionable. The beds are good. It's important to me. Hot water. 
And they give you some of those nice powdered eggs and sausage for your protein-packed breakfast. <laughs> As with anything, always verify pet-friendly status when you book a room. Very important. This brings us to conceivably more important than anything else you will decide. Tis better to laugh than cry. And never, ever will this be more true than on a cross-country voyage with dogs. Guaranteed. You will forget something. Just don't let it be the dog. There will be some sort of crisis of timing or traffic or weather or whatever. Someone somewhere will almost certainly cut in front of you in some kind of line. You will get lost. You will. A dog will absolutely, without question, puke or have a bad potty outburst in rush hour traffic on a high-rise bridge in a major metropolitan area. Yeah. P.S. Always plan carefully to never arrive at any metropolitan area at either of the major rush hours if I can do anything to avoid it. P.P.S. Extra, extra postscript. Be sure that you've included extra rolls of paper towels and cleaning supplies and fresh bedding in your packing checklist. Focus on the positive, you guys. You know, sing along with bad country music turned up loud. Laugh at the lunacy of the world around us. And if you spend two and a half weeks mad about every single thing that goes wrong, you're going to miss the beauty and the excitement and the wonder and the joy that your trip should be all about. Build in an hour or two at some cool national park you've never seen. Walk the dogs down those ancient paths. Take in some history or some natural splendor and let your anxiety and frustration sort of drain away. If you're lucky enough to have a sidekick, bring some silly trivia card games or tell jokes or fishing lies or whatever. Take turns napping in the passenger seat while the other person drives. One of my favorite games used to be naming our dream best-in-show lineups and arguing about which dog should go best-in-show. I frequently write in my head. Other folks use audiobooks to pass the time. Or make a driving playlist on your phone or your iPad. Oh, and wait for it. Best plan ever. Binge listen to Pure Dog Talk. Ah! This is what we were made for. The bottom line is you are in charge of your attitude. Now, your guardian angel may be in charge of everything else. But if something slips through the cracks, how you respond to it is going to make all the difference. There you go, guys. Bon voyage and bon chance. And we will catch you on the flip side. All right, crew, let's share the love, shall we? Episode 500 is, oh my God, 
rapidly approaching. <laughs> and I was searching for inspiration on what to talk about in this episode. And I decided that there is nothing more inspiring to me than the stories you guys have shared about Pure Dog Talk and its impact in your lives. So, it's decided. We're having a contest! What, what, what? Write your story for me to share on air as part of our historic number 500 celebration episode. All submissions will be judged by a panel of celebrity listeners. Judges will select three stories to be included in part or in entirety in the episode. There's something you don't see every day. Episode 500 will air on October 25th. Deadline for story entries is October 1st. Submissions should be sent to Laura at puredogtalk.com. I can't wait to share the love. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.